This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So a lot of business to discuss over the next hour. But the first order of business, gentlemen, is a question and a reminder to the rest of the Bird Gang. Have you paid your taxes? Today is tax day. That's why we're here, as an escape, to make you forget the fact that it is tax day 2023. That's a great point right off the top, and I went right to the deadline. Last night, I finalized them. <laughs> I do my best work, Kyle, under deadline. That's the way. If you want a gamer in the fourth quarter when it comes to taxes, yours truly, I'm your guy. Well, your taxes are complicated, all that money you make. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I, I can't yeah. imagine the headache you yeah. had trying to sort all your money and figure out how much you owe the government. The different homes, yeah, exactly. different states, yeah. countries. Yeah. Are, do we not have a lie detector <laughs> right now? I mean, you know, of course, Kyle has people that handle his taxes so he doesn't have to worry about it. He's got someone who does that for him. I thought you had all the people, Paul. <laughs> I'm sure all our elected leaders will do their best to spend all our tax dollars wisely for the people of the the people by the people with no personal agendas involved whatsoever here over the rest of the calendar year. I'm sure that'll happen. Always. Another lie detector. All right. On that note here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Let's get into the news of the day. Now, really, we should be really focused on what is going to happen a week from this Thursday, and that is the 2023 NFL Draft. However, on Friday, we got news, several reports, Paul, that's Buda Baker face of the defense, dare I say the face of the franchise, asked for a trade. Although ESPN also made mention that he either wanted a trade or to become the highest paid safety in the game. And that sent shockwaves not only locally, but nationally across the NFL. And therein lies the question, the big question for the Big Red. Does he want a new deal or does he want out? I would say the former. We all know Buddha pretty well. Okay, he's competitive. The most competitive guy I've been around in this team in quite quite a few years. And we see it out there on the field. Doesn't matter what the score is on that scoreboard. Buda Baker is there to ball. And right now he's the seventh highest paid safety in the league. At about, what, $14 million a year or so. Derwin James right now is averaging about $19 million per year. Derwin James might be the only safety in the game that you say is better than Buda Baker. At least for my analysis. All right, so once again, is it just Buda Baker trying to maximize his earning potential in his prime at age 27? Or does it go beyond that? Is he looking at a potential rebuild and saying he wants to win right here, right now? Only Buda knows, but something tells me if you were to renegotiate his deal, he would gladly sign on the line that is dotted. Once upon a time, Kyle, Buda was the highest paid safety in the game. It was after he signed a four-year extension in 2020. Has two more seasons left on that deal, although none of the money is guaranteed. To Paul's point, is it more about the money 
or is Buna not liking what he is seeing so far with this team, whether that's the new GM, the new head coach, new defensive coordinator, too much new for Buda Baker, who is, at the age of 27, is, dare I say, closer to the end than the beginning of his pro career. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake, he's still in his prime. Um, you know, I would guess it's a combination of the two things. Um, you know, to me, one of the things that stands out most uh, from last season's in-season hard knocks was just the passion in Buda Baker's voice, hearing how much it hurts him to lose, knowing how much he invests in this team. Um, you know, to me, um, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I you've got to do whatever it takes to keep this man in the building. You know how much respect he has in the locker room. He is not a leader for this team. He is the leader for this team, and not always by his words, even though we see how he speaks up in meetings, how he speaks up uh, before and after games, how he is that guy. Um, he is the guy that does everything right, and not just right in the film room, not just right in the weight room, not just right on the practice field. And, you know, it's it's how he plays the game, how he plays with a reckless abandon. To me, it, it's a the way he plays is a bit of a lost art. The way he flies around the football field, you just don't see players play like that anymore. And then on top of that, in a season that went south pretty quickly last year, he was fighting through injury. He played the next week when it was declared he'd be out for two weeks on an ankle sprain. He finished a game with a broken shoulder. I mean, this guy is the heart and soul of this team. This guy is a warrior. This guy brings passion. He brings energy to the entire locker room. And when you are in a quote-unquote rebuild, he's the guy you want in the locker room to show the new guys, to show the guys, the free agents that are being added to this team, to show rookies walking into this locker room. This is what a professional looks like. Well said. You're talking about a team captain each of the past three seasons, a five-time Pro Bowler. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport recently on the Pat McAfee Show about Baker's request that he wants out. I learned about the trade request over the last several days, but this has quietly been a reality for Arizona for much longer. Really? Um, he wants a new deal, and I do not believe the Cardinals want to trade him. Like, we don't plan to trade you. We want to keep you. And, like, he is, like, he is the heartbeat of that defense. That's the guy you want to build around. You know, you don't want to use a second-round pick to replace him. You want to build with him. So, We'll see what happens, but I don't believe they want to trade him at all. I wouldn't trade him at all. I would make sure I would do whatever I can to make sure that you have a happy Buda Baker in the locker room and ultimately on that football field. But let's go back to we talk about how much things have changed since the end of last season as far as a new GM, new head coach, defensive coordinator, and players on the roster as well. But we go back to when Monty Austin Fort was introduced back on January 17th. He brought up Buda Baker. I was with the Patriots at the time, and Buda came in. We interviewed Buda at the Combine for our 20-minute interview. After the end of that 20-minute interview, uh, I think I was ready to run through a brick wall for Buda Baker. And Buda Baker represents everything that we want this organization to be, and I am excited to be on a team with him. And then you go back to when defensive coordinator Nick Rollis was introduced to the media on February 22nd about Buda. Quote, sets the standard on how you want to play this game, end quote. Jonathan Gannon has also had high praise for the veteran safety. That is, based off what has been said, Paul, that is not a player you want out of this building and not wearing your uniform. 
players know players, coaches know players. Think of how many times his colleagues have cited his play, the standard he sets. Bill Davis on hard knocks in the linebacker's room saying, if everybody played as hard as Buddha, where would we be as a team? Some of the mic'd up segments NFL Films has had over the years of Mike Tomlin pregame. I remember a couple years ago talking to Cardinals coaches and out of nowhere just citing Buddha Baker on film. So the respect level is immense. It is elite. And when Team Buddha, his business folks, see Jesse Bates go from Cincinnati to Atlanta this offseason and get $16 million per year, and Buddha's slated to make 13 and then 14 next year, yeah, he's exercising his leverage. And especially after the season the Cardinals just came off of where he was the leader, the heartbeat of that team, I can't get just the audio out of my head we all saw it later on hard knocks and the locker room speech after the philly loss but as the guy who does the post-game interviews down the hallway i could hear someone yelling i could hear the passion i had no idea who it was at the time but you realize just how much that losing hurts a buddha baker so uh, if you're looking at a rebuild year straight ahead yeah, I, I can understand it on both fronts and so we'll see but there's no doubt to kyle's point he's most definitely part of the solution He's not the part of the problem. And so his value, I think, is immense in every sense of the word as you try and chart the course forward. This is a business, though, Kyle, and we hear it all the time. And typically you hear this from a player that is going into the final year of his contract, not two years before the end of a contract. And I think that's where you're looking at it from the team side. Is like, do you set the precedence but there is a difference between Buda Baker and maybe 52 other players in that locker room because you're talking about someone who is revered by the fan base, and this is a team that has, for the second straight offseason, been on the wrong end of a lot of bad news. Yeah, there's, there's two different precedents. Like I, I understand you don't want to, as an organization, set a precedent of players coming to you with two years left on their contract, demanding new money, wanting new money, wanting to get paid more because that becomes a slippery slope and guys will get in line right behind Buda Baker and say, I want new money too. But at the same time, as an organization, you know, I listen to Monty Fort and Jonathan Gannon talk about what they value and what this culture is going to look like as an organization. When you say these are our values and this is how we're going to build this organization and you have probably the best example of every, that checks every box of what they're looking for in your locker room, you also want to set a precedent. We're going to reward that. We value what you bring. Look, there is players that bring tremendous value on what they can do on Sundays. Buda Baker is a different type of player. He brings that value on Sundays, but he brings value to this team Monday to Saturday as well and raises the level of play of every single player in this locker room because of his example. And because of that example and what he does, his voice matters, and he can demand more from each and every player in this locker room because they know how much it means to him and how much he has put into this team and invested into this team. You can't always be the highest paid player in your position group in the NFL. The salary cap continues to go up. Guys continue to get paid. Patrick Mahomes right now is the fifth highest paid quarterback in terms of average annual value after the Jalen Hurts deal. 
Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers. You have uh, Kyla Murray, Deshaun Watson, all higher paid per year than Patrick Mahomes, who just won another ring. So that's the reality of it. And if the Cardinals have to hang on to Buda Baker despite his wants and needs, guess what? It can and will happen. They've already done it with a Patrick Peterson, a Chandler Jones, a Jordan Hicks, who all asked to be traded. And if it wasn't in favor of the team and didn't make sense for the organization, they're not going to pull the trigger. And I don't see how the Cardinals could possibly get equal and fair trade compensation for Buda Baker if they did deal him. You can't. There's no way you're not going to get fair market value. And also add another player, your boy, I, Andy requested a trade That's was not granted true. he remained on the yeah. roster until he was ultimately released but yeah this is this is not new i think the uproar on friday kyle one was the fact that it was buda baker who has always put team first and all of a sudden he's looking at himself in the mirror and going all right i need to put my self first which i get it from a player standpoint I'm not gonna be not gonna uh go against what players wants based off what they do every single day and then ultimately on Sundays and then just because you want something doesn't mean it's going to happen and I think that's where fans got a little bit agitated or upset because it was oh he's gone no but is not gone he's still here and he very well may be here for the next two seasons again you know knowing or, or having an idea of the vision you know, this probably isn't going to be a quick rebuild. It, there may be some struggles this year, but Buda Baker is not a front runner. I've played with players that are front runners that when it goes south, we start to lose games. They are the worst people in the locker room. Buda Baker will help. You know, he's the kind of guy that will see this team through the bad times until they come out on the other end. And so, you know, to me, I think if, however this needs to be accomplished, however it gets done, it just needs to be communicated because it's tough. Buddha doesn't have relationships with this coaching staff. He knows very few. There's very few people that were retained. And I understand he is a team guy and loyal to the team. Well, this team looks completely different to him. He walks into this locker room and there's so many new faces and, and really doesn't have relationships with either a lot of the players or the coaching staff. So a lot of it's new to him, but they need to understand, they need to, you know, get it through to him how important he is and what it means to have him in the locker room and through this and and sh- share their vision you know it, it's always so separate from front office to coaching staff to players but share the vision say we're not as far away here's what we're planning here's how we are going to win games next year and here's how we need you to be a part of it and hopefully that will do some of it and and I realize that's probably not what he is looking for but you know, to me, and I don't, I'm not wired like Buddha. I don't know who else is, but it, the the number one thing is I want it to feel valued. And sometimes that's not always about how much money is in my bank account or how many, how big my check is. It is, you know, be involved in the process, have some input on some, you know, not necessarily personnel, but how things are done and have a good relationship with this coaching staff in front office because then you're invested as a player. Then you have ownership in what's happening. No question the value in that locker room is known. What we don't know with this new defense head coach, defensive coordinator, how much do they value the safety position and the role of a Buda Baker on the field? And if you're Buda and you have to learn a new system anyway, then you know what? The timing might be right. 
in asking for that trade if you're going to have to go to a new team and a new system. Worst case scenario is he pulls a Derwin James, because remember, Buda Baker and Derwin James, same agency, same representation, and we know what Derwin James did last year. He held out or had to hold in for the first three weeks of Chargers camp till he got a record-breaking deal. Check out the Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at HashPod. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Reports, the draft. Yes, one week from Thursday. Cardinals on the clock at number three. But what happens if Will Anderson is not available with that third overall pick? This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Everybody talks about Will Anderson. Yes, he's talented, but it's about the effort that he gives turns into a supernova. Well, Will Anderson doing damage. Anderson got there. It was a simple foot race, and Will Anderson with the sack for Alabama. Well, we talked about do you double him, do you chip him? Well, sure as heck, there's one thing you can't do is just leave him one-on-one, swarmed under by Will Anderson. The best pass rusher we've seen in college football in a long time. Quarterback will keep it, and gets taken down. Will Anderson Jr. lying in wait. It is intercepted. This is Will Anderson Jr. Touchdown. The more you watch, the more you read about Will Anderson, the more you like the player and the person. Also, the more time that passes since the end of the college football season ahead of next Thursday's NFL Draft, the more noise you hear. Not about Will Anderson, but Tyree Wilson. The Houston Texans with that second overall pick. Dare I say they select Will Anderson and the Cardinals don't have Anderson available to go with that third overall pick. Welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats as we shift our focus to what happens in nine days from now, Paul. And every scenario has been discussed. I'm going to bring up a new one, and that is the potential of Will Anderson not being there, plus the Cardinals not being able to trade down from number three, which has been a foregone conclusion if Anderson was not available. But in order to make a trade, you need to have a trade partner and someone willing to move up. See, to me, if C.J. Stroud is still on the board at three, there will be a trade. There will be a trade down for the Arizona Cardinals. They will be able to cash it in. But I'll play your reindeer games over there, Gree. And let's just say that Will Anderson goes number two to Houston, which is exactly what Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, said to Pat McAfee yesterday, that he does not believe Houston will take C.J. Stroud after Bryce Young goes number one to Carolina. And by the way, Bryce Young has ended all other visits, so most people think he is indeed going number one to the Panthers. In fact, Lombardi said, quote, I think teams are now starting to accept that Stroud is not going number two, and I think more work is being done. Really? Okay. If so, Houston has done a heck of a job of getting that narrative out there. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I I think they desperately need a quarterback, and C.J. Stroud is their guy. But if they take a Will Anderson and the Cardinals are sitting there at three and nobody else is willing to come up for a C.J. Stroud, then what? That's a great question. I would presume they go corner. That's just me. Tyree Wilson, yeah, maybe. That would be out of need, and I think need first and foremost. But you're talking about a draft last year where corners went three and four. 
Derek Stingley Jr., and then Sauce Gardner, who was phenomenal for the Jets. And by the way, Houston overthought and overanalyzed it last year and picked the wrong corner at number three when Sauce Gardner was on the board. So they're fully capable of screwing it up again this year. There's no doubt. But I would think the Cardinals would go corner either Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon. There's another name on that board, and that is what was presumed to be the number one overall pick several months ago before some off-the-field issues popped up, and that is Jalen Carter, who, according to reports, Kyle, has visited with every single team from pick 6 to 10. And we know his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, has said that Carter will not visit with any team outside of the top 10. Cardinals have not been mentioned on that list that have had a visit with Jalen Carter. But, again, this scenario... If you're the Cardinals at number three, you have to prepare for everything. And I mean everything. And we don't know what they think or feel about Jalen Carter. Yeah, that's where the you know the front office of scouting department really needs to do their homework. Are the issues that popped up with Jalen Carter, are they one-offs? Is it something that's in his rearview mirror? Um, can you depend on him? What type of guy is he in the meeting rooms, on the practice field? Was he you know good in the classroom? Um, you know, you've really got to leave no stone unturned because, look, he is an elite talent. I mean, he is a disruptive force. Um, you know, he can change the course of a game playing at the defensive tackle position, and there is a big premium on players that can do that. Saying that, um, you know, it's tough because, again, listening to the vision of Monty Austin for, for this team, listening to the vision of Jonathan Gannon for this team, you know, they constantly come back to character and, and football character. And you need to decide whether he's going to fit into that mold or not. Um, you know, if Will Anderson is not there at three, Cardinals are, are forced to pick. Um, you know, it's tough. I, I realize that, you know, corners are a premium. And this team has been in flux for a few years trying to find some stability at the cornerback position and find that guy that can be that elite shutdown corner. But saying that, looking at what Jonathan Gannon had to work with last year, looking at the team he was on last year, um, you know, look, uh, a lot of attention goes to Jalen Hurts, had a phenomenal year. The receiving core, phenomenal. That team was elite because they had the best offensive line in football and they had the most disruptive defensive line in football. And I expect this team to be built inside out. And with we currently sit with, what, eight draft picks? I expect anywhere from – four to five of those picks to be defensive linemen or interior offensive linemen because, you know, at least the perception that I have is this this isn't going to be a quick fix, but the way you build it properly is not to make flashy draft picks, not to, you know, flood skill positions. You've sometimes got to make the unattractive picks, the, the ones that the fans aren't going to buy jerseys for, and, and and stabilize your trenches. Build from the inside out because, you know, if we have an elite shutdown corner but quarterbacks have four or five seconds to hold the ball and sit back there and pat it, it don't matter who's back there. We're not going to win games because of our defense. It's going to be a liability. We've got to find players, and there may be a couple on this roster that emerge but just looking at the guys we have now on the defensive front and their career sack numbers are not great. They are not difference maker on third difference makers on third down or getting to the quarterback or or affecting games and we've got to find those guys. So even if it is a reach, um, we may take the next best edge player. We may take the next best 
inside player because I think that's how they envision building this team, not necessarily taking the best athlete that's available at number three because that's what that's what you know the combine shows, that's what tape shows. You know, I, th- I think we've got to build it the right way, and I think that comes up front. The newest mock draft, in fact, the first one that he's released, NFL Network's Peter Schrager, his mock draft 1.0 does have the Cardinals selecting Will Anderson, but the Texans making a trade with the Colts as the Colts move up to two to take C.J. Stroud, and the Texans at number four go with Tyree Wilson. Now, again, is Wilson going to be better than Will Anderson? The numbers, based off their college production, wouldn't suggest it, but there are people, there's a lot of noise. Again, Peter King has written about it in his Football Morning in America that many people believe that Wilson will hear his name either called before Will Anderson or will have a better career than a Will Anderson. This all goes back to what Houston does at number two. Perhaps the draft does begin with that second overall pick. ESPN's Adam Schefter on NFL Live. Dare I say the Texans do pass on a QB. What if the run on quarterbacks gets a little bit delayed? What if it's a little bit later to start than people thought? We've been hearing about quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. That's not going to happen, I don't believe. And we've seen Carolina make the move up right away, right away for a quarterback at one. But we haven't seen anybody trade up to two when Houston's open to listening. We haven't seen anybody trade up to number three because you know what? I think Indianapolis thinks there's a real chance right now that they could sit right where they are at four and get potentially the second quarterback in this draft. With that said, though, Paul, I do like where the Cardinals are at number three, and I have no problem. Yes, there's only been that one trade of the Panthers moving up with the Bears that if you're the Cardinals, you wait until you know what happens ahead of you. Yeah, there's only two picks, but you wait and then keep those phones open for those 10 minutes that you have before you have to get that pick in. You know, speaking of the pick, Will Anderson was on Good Morning Football today, NFL Network, and they asked him about the narrative out there that he's the safe pick. That if you want the upside as an edge rusher in this draft, you go Tyree Wilson. Or if you want the game wrecker, the elite talent, you go with Jalen Carter. And his response was, and I quote, Will Anderson is not a safe pick, it's the right pick. That's Will Anderson. And I'll see your mock draft and cite another one that came out today. This is a Kuyper and Todd McShay combo where they alternate picks, 1-2, one, 1-2. Two, one, two. And they have Bryce Young going number one, C.J. Stroud number two to Houston, Will Anderson number three. Then the Colts taking Anthony Richardson number four, which is another popular line of thinking that Shane Steichen, what he did with Jalen Hurts, could do something similar with an elite dual threat talent like Anthony Richardson. So there's that out there. And then Will Levis would go number 11 to Tennessee in this Kuiper McShay latest one that Will Levis would fall in Tennessee, wouldn't have to trade up. Either way, uh, I think the Cardinals will either end up with Will Anderson or a trade. I do not, because I think the need and want for a quarterback is dire enough among enough teams that there will be a QB on the board and number three some team will want, or Will Anderson will be there for the taking. See, this is the fun parts of the lead up to the NFL draft. It's also the frustrating parts and where you just want it to happen. I think we've all I think we've now exhausted every single potential, Kyle, for what might happen with the third overall pick. I don't I can't foresee anything else happening, but this is why and this is why the NFL does a great job because it now becomes a year-long discussion point because the season ended 
middle of February, and here we are talking about an event that happens mid or late April. Yeah, and, and you know, look, we're all kind of just ready for it to happen, and you know, hey, we have no idea. Look, I mean, everybody's just throwing out these crazy ideas that they think may happen. Um, it, rest assured, you know, I, I've heard people like, well, well what are they going to do if they're at three and Will Anderson isn't there and then they have to hurry up and field phone calls? Front offices and scouting departments, they do mock draft after mock draft. They make, they, they'll assign somebody to a team and they'll make a pick and then you'll make a pick and then you're like, okay, for so now we know we have this scenario. What are we going to do? And so they have it all laid out. They know exactly what they're going to do. They've probably already had several preliminary conversations about if this is the scenario that we're staring at, um, you know, would, would you be willing to trade with us? So there's parameters already set up so that in, you know, that short window of time that you have to make your pick, you're not scrambling and, and not able to get it done. You know, case in point last year with Hollywood Brown, there was a scenario that if things happened a certain way, the trade would go through. And so, you know, you can expect that these conversations have happened. There is multiple options and they're not going to be stuck at three twiddling their thumbs and staring at each other trying to figure out what to do. They know exactly where they're going to go with this pick in every possible scenario, even probably crazier scenarios than than other people have thrown out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just can't wait for it to be over with, and and we know what we have going forward, um, and and I'm anticipating. I mean, it's it seems like we've been waiting for. Um, it seems like the season's been over for a year. It's only been a couple months, but it's 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 ready. I mean, I'm I loved. You know, I took pride in being a part of rebuilds, and I'm excited to see how this unfolds because I fully believe we have the right people in place. Now it's just time to put that plan into action. In any sport, the rebuild is so much more rewarding than just jumping a bandwagon, right? Look what an Adrian Wilson did when he re-signed with the Cardinals and easily could have gone elsewhere. And then when the Cardinals made the Super Bowl run three years later, 2008, just think how gratifying that was because you were part of the foundation. You were part of that rebuild. And I'll just say, look, Cardinals have eight picks right now. I fully expect them to have 9, 10, 11, or 12 by the time the draft is done. Whether they pull the trigger at number three, whether they trade a D-hop before, before my hot take, they trade an Isaiah Simmons. I think they end up with more picks, and you're going to see a lot of impact players come out of this draft. And hopefully we see those players next season on the 2023 home schedule. For more information, go to azcardinals.com slash tickets. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Driscoll off the fake, on the roll, down the sideline. He finds Amari Rogers. It's a touchdown. Texans take the lead. But Driscoll just giving his guy a shot. Driscoll sensing the pressure, telling his receiver to go long, and he's going to try it on a deep shot. Touchdown. Let's it fly. 29 years old, soon to be 30. Next week, Jeff Driscoll, the latest Arizona Cardinals acquisition this offseason, signing a one-year contract and becomes the fourth 
quarterback in that room as we welcome you back into the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Not a surprise that the Cardinals added a fourth quarterback. Perhaps maybe, Paul, the surprise because we had touched on this in past shows that maybe he waits until the draft, dare I say, day three or post-draft with an undrafted free agent. But you're looking now, maybe they add even another quarterback because of the uncertainty around Kyler Murray and we still quite not quite sure about Colt McCoy and his availability this offseason. I'm not talking regular season. I'm right. just talking about availability in the offseason for some quarterback to throw the ball and hand the ball off. Look, you have four quarterbacks under contract. How many will be available for the mandatory minicamp in mid-June? How many will be available and able to begin training camp? We're not exactly sure as for Cole McCoy. You're definitely not counting on Kyla Murray at that stage, not yet. And you go into every training camp with at least four arms. You need those camp arms. So Driscoll is here. It does not preclude the team from on day three taking a rookie quarterback. I fully expect that to be a very distinct possibility. I think they're scouring the draft right now for someone who might fall into day three, who's a dual-threat type quarterback who they could at least stash on the practice squad going forward. But at least you have a guy you're familiar with, Dave Sears, has a pass with Jeff Driscoll back in Detroit. He has seven years in the league. He's got a big arm. He's a big dude at 6'4", 235. You know, he's been with five different teams. He started... 10 or 11 games in this in this league his career record is one and nine of course he's been with houston and detroit when they're at their worst so all right there you go but at least a capable guy who can come in and get you through camp former seventh round pick of the 49ers started two games last season talking about jeff driscoll but again it goes back to you want to make sure you have someone obviously kyla murray is qb1 but the question remains qb2 and whether that QB2 is your starter week one, week two, week three. How long do you need a QB2 waiting for Kyler Murray to get back? Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Look, Jeff Driscoll, to Paulie's point, um, 11 starts. He's got starting experience. I don't think you want somebody, you know, even if they draft a, a rookie in the later rounds, he comes in as a phenomenal training camp. You know, you don't want somebody wide-eyed in the game opener getting their first start um, without any on-the-field experience in the NFL. So you've got a guy with playing experience. He's been around a few clubs, so he's got knowledge of the game. He know understands defenses. Um, and and to me, again, going back to a lot of the things that Jonathan Gannon has talked about, is they want a culture of competition. And you know, while it may appear that you know we're bringing in guys just as camp arms. Um, you want that healthy competition. You want guys fighting for every single spot. And while you know this is potentially a starting spot position for the beginning of the season, these quarterbacks potentially are all auditioning to stay with this team and be the backup quarterback next year. So, um, you know, I think it's a good signing, and I think the more competition that we get, um, particularly without familiarity with this coaching staff with what type of offense they're going to run um you, you know you want as much competition and see who rises to the top through these summer mini camps through OTAs and through training camp so that you you make sure that you get the best players on the field and at at you know this typically you know backup quarterback is it's an important signing i mean look at free agency most of the initial moves by teams were signings of backup quarterbacks but this one's extra important with the potential of starting you know 
anywhere from a couple to a handful of games at the beginning of the season that will set the tone for this team for the rest of the season. You brought up Jonathan Gannon. Let's go back to the annual league meeting at the Biltmore. Gannon addressing reporters asked about Colt McCoy and the backup quarterback position. Colt, I think he's he's doing great. I mean, he's um, gets a little extra work here and there, but he's ready to go. And um, happy where Kyler's at, David as well. So I uh, like where that room's at and where they're going. Is that going to be a competition between Colt and David? Everything's a competition. Those four war words, just let them hang just a little bit. Everything is a competition, and that doesn't preclude the quarterback position. That is every position. That, to your point, Kyle, I think that's what Gannon wants to make sure, make it known in that locker room that no position is secure. I mean, you want everything to be a competition right now, even in the offseason. I'm not just talking about the roster when the Cardinals get out on the field. You want a competition right now for the number three pick overall among the other 30 teams in the league. You want a competition for D-Hop in the open trade marketplace. Yes, you do want everything ideally to be a competition. But there's something else you want when it comes to quarterbacks. And how often has Drew Stanton on this very show talked about that chemistry in the quarterback room? And you're not as apt to bring in an unknown into that quarterback room when you have a $200 million-plus quarterback in Kyler Murray. you got to make sure the atmosphere and the vibe is just right. So it's not a surprise that, A, they brought back, or they're retaining, Cole McCoy, who's still under contract for this coming season. They brought back David Blau. They had experience with him. They know the sort of player and person he is. And then a Jeff Driscoll, who once again has as years spent with Dave Sears, at least, and that familiarity. So you want to make sure that the formula is right in the quarterback room, that everyone is there to support a Kyla Murray. And so I think that's why this was very strategic in who you signed in a Jeff Driscoll. I'll add to those connections in that quarterback room. David Blau and Jeff Driscoll were teammates in 2019. That's right. yep. That season, they combined to start eight games for the Detroit Lions. And yeah, you want... It's a good point, Paul, because you want to make sure not that Kyler Murray would ever have to look over his shoulder at someone coming up from behind, but you want to be sure that those players, Kyle, in that room are helping Kyler Murray, are fostering his growth and making sure that they are doing everything in his power, their power, to make sure when he is back, he's ready to go. Or what if he brought in a Jacoby Brissett? Right, who has the history of Drew Petzing. But Jacoby Brissett, you know how it works in the preseason. Oh, he lights it on fire against vanilla defenses, right? And all of a sudden, the fans are clamoring for Jacoby Brissett because he's the answer this year. You can't risk that sort of dynamic or potential to happen when a Kyler Murray is going to be coming back, and it might be a slow return from injury. Yeah, and to your earlier point, look, one of the things we saw from Colt McCoy is he was he has the ability to win you games when you need it, which is ultra important early in this season. But he was the first person Kyler Murray would go to when he came off the field. He is an extra ear. And in, in, in the meeting rooms and in the locker room, he acts not only as a backup quarterback, but as a part-time OC, as yep. a part-time head coach. I mean, there's tremendous value. So you've got to look not only who can get us through those first few games, but who will continue to help Kyler in his development, particularly learning a new offense. Again, four quarterbacks. Is there a fifth potentially added this offseason? Stay tuned as we all await answers. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Dalton straight drop back. 
Throws over the middle, and a one-handed interception by Isaiah Simmons in midfield. Runs it back to the left of the 40, at the 30, at the 25, at the 20, and Simmons in, back-to-back. Interception returns for touchdown by the Cardinals at the end of the half. Oh my goodness, what a play. Isaiah Simmons just standing there in his own room on the middle of the field. There's that sub 4-4 of Isaiah Simmons. Touchdown, baby. Now is that, or will we see linebacker Isaiah Simmons, cornerback Isaiah Simmons, safety Isaiah Simmons? A year ago, 17 games played, started 13, finished with 99 tackles. Five tackles for loss. He can play anywhere and everywhere on that football field, Kyle. But the question is, with this new defense and new defensive coordinator, what do they envision an Isaiah Simmons who is in during his fourth year with a fifth-year option, dare I say, still yet to be picked up, and that is that deadline is approaching rather quickly? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's that's the challenge of this coaching staff is to find – the right spot for him and get him in that spot. Look, he is a unique talent. His ability to to close on offensive players, his ability to make big hits. We've all seen his ability to make game-changing plays. I mean, it seems like he has a knack for it. Um, you know, and he will stand out and be player of the game one week, and then the next week he disappears. And I think, um, you know, a, a lot of us harken back to Hassan Reddick, where it seems like we were – playing maybe maybe playing him out of position maybe not getting the most out of him um you know I think in real short order this coaching staff needs to identify where he is most valuable where he is in the best position to make plays and and help this defense um and, and get him there and make him focus on just that one spot and just let him go because one thing he does do well is play with instincts um when you put too much on his plate and make him think about 20 different things and having to adjust to different formations, coverages, and play safety one snap, play corner the next snap, play outside linebacker, and then, hey, let's, let's have you rush the passer on this next play. I, I think it's too much. It's, I'm not saying it's you know as a fault of his. It's too much for any player. Like, you, you know, my success in the NFL came when everything was simplified and I just had – one or two tasks on every play and I could just go and I think he's that same type of player where he's got that dog in him he loves the contact he loves to be in the mix but you've just got to put him in a position where he's not thinking and he's out there just reacting so they're trying to decide on his fifth year option whether to pick it up or not and I think everyone is trying to decide along with that who are you what are you what position do you play? Where are you best suited in the NFL? Hassan Reddick had a position. He was an edge rusher. He's phenomenal, an All-American in college, and then they tried him at inside linebacker. He had all the athleticism in the world, but it didn't translate because he was always a step slow. He didn't have those instincts in inside linebacker, so they returned him to the position he was familiar with. Well, in college, Isaiah Simmons played as many different positions as he's been playing in the NFL, and there's still no definitive answer. What is he? How do you best utilize him? I've thrown in a Kyle a number of times. Could you make him an edge rusher? And there's a lot of different opinion on that. Some people say he's not stout enough to hold the edge. He's not heavy enough. Teams would run right at him. He'd be such a liability in the run game. Could he really, on a consistent basis, beat an offensive tackle? So where do you use him? What? And if they haven't decided yet, is that your answer? Are they going to part ways with Isaiah Simmons? 
I don't expect it, but I don't think it would be a shocker either if they don't pick it up. Do we get maybe an answer next week? You've got the voluntary veteran minicamp because Jonathan Gannon is a first-year head coach. You get that extra week. It is the week of the draft. It is before May 1st when that deadline to exercise or not exercise that fifth-year option. Do they get an answer on what Simmons might best be able to do in April and project to September? Well, and I think, again, with where this team is, I, I, I think part of your answer comes in, you know, what is he like in the locker room? Is he going to fit into this culture we're building? Is he going to be a part of the answer moving forward, or is he going to be part of the problem? And, um, it, you know, to me, again, it, it seems to be such an emphasis, and I love it, of, of, you know, we're a team. We need people to buy in. We want people excited to walk into this building for practice and and love being an Arizona Cardinal. So I think you need to understand that as well, not just how fast can he get from point A to point B, how many interceptions can he make, how many tackles can he make. Is he somebody that's going to grab a rookie and spend time with him after practice because that's what's going to make the team better? Is he somebody that's going to spend extra time in the film room in week 15 even though you're exhausted because he is a true pro? I think all these things are, are a part of the equation of is this somebody that we want to keep around and build around? And uh, I mean, athletically, there's no question. Ability, there's no question. I think some of the other things um, are something that they need to figure out. And if you pick up his fifth-year option, guess what? That's going to cost you $12.7 million. It's a lot of cash. And, and if you haven't picked it up yet, are you signaling to the rest of the NFL, make us an offer between now and the draft. By the way, Bird Gang, our next show a week from today, we will know definitively what DJ Humphreys picked up in the Sonoran Desert <laughs> and what is in yeah. that briefcase. Oh, interesting. Extreme makeover, dot, dot, dot. Special thanks behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Lauren Koval, for Kyle Vandenbosch, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next week here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals football club. Oh.